Welcome to another episode of Vegan Snack Attack. I uh, I am hanging out with musician Amanda Spring of uh, some really cool bands that you're going to hear about in a second. I'm not going to give away too much, or maybe you've already looked into it. Maybe you already know who they are. Hey, what's up? Hey. Thanks for coming and hanging out with me. Thanks for having me. Uh, so you are a vegan musician. Is there a point where one of those ends and the other begins, or is there overlap with your personal beliefs and your music, or how does that usually work out? Well, at this point, after 11 years vegan, it overlaps every aspect of my life. You know, every interaction that I have uh, with a, an acquaintance or a stranger, you know, at the grocery store, anywhere, can turn into a discussion about veganism. But as for my music, uh, the bands that I play in are not all made up of vegan members. That uh-huh. sure would be a dream. I'd like to have that someday. But um, in the lyrics, I, I tend to write a little more obscure lyrics. So okay. it's, not, it's not a very direct call to arms um, okay. lyrically, sure. I would say. But when I do uh, perform, uh, I did a lot of touring with a band last year in Europe. And I try to wear Which my... Which one was that? Uh, that was with Sally Ford. Uh, Sally Ford. Portland musician. Cool. Yeah, and uh, I would try to just wear my my one vegan shirt on stage as often as I could. And, which you're wearing right uh, which now. I'm which I'm wearing, I happen cool. to be wearing right now. Um, but I would talk to people and meet people at the um, merch booth after the show and turn a lot of those conversations into, you know, vegan Just outreach. people are being like, what's the deal with your shirt? Well, <laughs> and yeah, like, I mean, and in, in Europe, we were in France mostly, um, a lot of people didn't know what I mean. I, I would get a lot of people approaching me saying, "Oh, I'm vegan too," and then they would say, "Of course, I eat fish and chicken." Of and, course, you know. They oh didn't man, quite what do they think the, that it means? The full concept. Um, I don't know. You know, it's 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 the meaning is pretty confused over there. They're a little behind in terms of Western countries, uh-huh. um, especially when you look at uh, like we also went to Germany, which has a very firm grasp Absolutely, on what yeah. vegan means. Um, and it's always surprising to me to read articles about the vegan movement in Germany just exploding. Which, just like today and yesterday, there's been a lot of press about the vegan, uh, I guess, diet, if, as far as these articles are concerned, in Germany. I guess there's a lot of German health officials saying that it's not healthy in Oh, right. Yeah. Well, you can go to any country in the oh, world. And oh, yeah. But it's like it's just making news where it's just like, oh, boy, this is I guess it's Germany's turn to like be putting up a stink. Well, and yeah. Anywhere that you have a, a big movement growing, that backlash is going to happen. Industry, government, tradition, all these factors are going to, you know, make sure to try to protect the interest of the status quo of animal farming. Right. And I mean, sausage is such a big part of life over there for, for a lot of people. So they're very protective of their traditions and are going to fight it no matter, no matter what, huh? Right. So where did you, where else did you tour? Um, we went to Czech Republic and, um, 
Mostly France. The first tour that okay. we did last year there was a month just in France. And it was my first trip out of the country. So really? It was, yeah, it was pretty interesting and jam-packed. You know, I had been warned by a lot of people and uh, vegan musician friends of mine saying, oh, it's going to be tough for you in France uh-huh. to eat. And um, I actually had great food over there. I never had a problem finding any food. I did end up having a lot of solo picnics. And yeah, that's just fine. finding, you know, what foods I liked in the store. Of course, the baguette is great. And sure. they've got avocados. They've got veggies. There's a kind of uh, pre-made couscous that you could find at any grocery there. It was just ready to eat. And um, all that's these great. delicious Belgian beers. And, you know, they have just so many options. Because yeah. I think it's, uh, I mean, we're always looking and this is outside of veganism even we're always looking at the the french diet and what you know how are they so fit and healthy and when they're eating all these rich foods and really for me that what i found with the foods there um because there were catered meals for the bands you know it's incredible uh-huh. as a musician i'm going to just say if you get a chance to tour europe go for it take that opportunity because, you know, they would have these commissary-style meals where the cook would sit down and all of the people working at the clubs and right. have this meal together. And, and uh, you know, lentils was a, one of the main protein elements they would cook for us. And the food was really just healthy and really elemental over mm-hmm. there, I would say. You know, not, not very many rich uh, sauces or complicated things, just fresh fresh foods in... in uh, in a natural form. So I didn't have any problem. And we went, when we went to Spain, I had been warned uh, even more about that. But it was it was heartening, you know. I'm sure you know about the Happy Cow app oh. to find restaurants. Happy Cow is amazing. <laughs> if, hey, Happy Cow, if you're looking to sponsor a podcast, <laughs> give me your money, please. Oh, yeah. I have <laughs> utilized it. I'm, you know, like one of the, I, I, I do reviews on there. I'm really... Oh, you know, you're I, very active with yeah, it. Yeah, I think I was... I think my username is Vegan Drummer Girl or something Okay. Like that. But um, I would use the opportunity to check out vegan restaurants. And when, when we were in Spain, um, that our tour manager was uh, vegan, too. So he, he had been through a lot of these towns. Oh, that's very useful. Previously. Oh, yeah. it was wonderful. So I did have a picnic buddy a lot of the time. But um, a lot of the vegan restaurants, um, looking them up on Happy Cow, had only opened up within the last two years. And so, you know, I think there were over 10 in... Uh, I don't remember if it was Barcelona or Madrid, but um, it was cool to see just how, even though there aren't, you know, per capita, if you're compared to where we're recording right now in Portland, Oregon, of course, it's not as many vegan restaurants, but the fact that they all had opened up within the last two years showed kind of an exponential growth. Sure, yeah, and it's like the the message is being received over there, and yeah, it's people are seeing the need for it, the demand. Yeah, so you got to supply it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's happening. So yeah, sorry, non-vegans. So many... The vegan world is is really growing. Yeah, We're get gonna, used to it. Gonna take over. <laughs> uh, so, so was it just you and the tour manager for that for that band that was uh, vegan? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. The tour manager, because that's the person who's being the voice of the band in a lot of cases for making arrangements so right he's that's the one really who's beneficial gonna, he's gonna speak out for us and make sure we've got our avocados and baked tofu and whatever yeah. it is we want backstage <laughs> uh is it difficult just traveling with the other members of the band uh, i know you said that you do a lot of solo picnics but 
Uh, are there times when you're kind of stuck in a position and they are the ones that are dictating the places that you go and the things that you do? Um, I haven't personally had a problem with that um, because I don't really... I, I no long, I've been vegan long enough that I no longer feel pressure to go eat at somewhere that I, that's not going to be suitable for myself. Yeah. And um, we had such amazing food in the green rooms at the shows that I would just take after. So, you know, I would end up having... A lot of the meals were like, I would just snack, you know, uh-huh. just hang out near the van and snack. And hey, I love sa- snacking. I saved a lot of money that way. Uh, my favorite thing to do over there was just to take... Um, Jojo, uh, my baritone ukulele, and go find parks to play in and just bring snacks and hang out by myself. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I spent less money on food traveling than I do at home. That's awesome. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. That's really awesome. And you're getting paid to do it, presumably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's really cool. And then you've been touring recently with some other bands. Um, now, you had mentioned earlier that you are not with that your bands aren't made up of all vegans are there any of the bands that are all vegan or uh none of them are all vegan but um a few of the members in some of the bands uh, playing a show tonight with a band called saroon um and the main songwriter from that is vegan how many bands do you play in actively right now i think there's only four. Oh, only so, four <laughs> yeah i'm uh i'm playing drums in the house band on a radio show that's uh, syndicated on some NPR stations. That's cool. Uh, What's yeah, that it's one? It's called Livewire. Oh, Livewire. Yeah. yeah. It's an interview show, um, and that's a lot of fun. You know, we pl- by the time the show's over, uh, we've played, you know, probably a, a sum of, you know, three minutes of music, because we're just playing 10-second sure, interstitial while the, bits uh, while the guests walk on and off, but it's a really fun gig. That's really cool. How'd you get lined up with that? Um, I was just recommended by people in the music community. That seems to be how I get all my gigs these days. It's just other bands I've toured with will mm-hmm. will put the word out. And how long have you been part of the Portland uh, music scene? Um, let's see, about 15 years now. All right. Been playing. Is that so, how long you've lived out here? Mm-hmm. Cool. Where yeah. are you from originally? Um, I lived in Southern Oregon before this uh, in Ashland, Oh, and, Ashland. Yeah, yeah. That's a fun place. Um, but Is that like where you grew up? Well, I went to high school and um, middle school years there. I was homeschooled during middle school, but uh, I was living there. And I came from Southern California before that. Oh, cool. Yeah, I lived on Catalina Island well, when I was a really? kid. So I feel like you're mentioning places that you don't hear about people being from there or like living there, like very touristy places. Tourist towns, exactly. But not like tourist tourist towns like getaway tourist towns mm-hmm. uh so that's kind of crazy you uh, you know you're talking about um ashland and anybody who is unfamiliar like they're best known for the shakespeare festival and right. i i just had this vision of like going like being in high school in ashland and like the cool kids are just like the shakespeare nerds who would normally be the ones getting beaten up at all of the other schools everywhere else and uh the jocks are the the dweebs there i don't know it's just this vision i had no it really <laughs> is it, it really, really was like that? that way <laughs> yeah it re- well to me i was part of the musician crew so we were yeah. uh, definitely had some interaction with the drama department but yeah it was a it was a good high school they had a lot of resources for arts there. That's awesome. That's really great. And they really had great. even um, professional actors from the Shakespeare Festival would come and teach classes for the kids. And 
And just like, what a beautiful place to be. It's awesome there. I mean, you're basically right at the border. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's Mount Shasta, Grants Pass, like all these awesome places out there. Uh, right. That's really cool. And how long have you been vegan? 11 years now. Okay. It's 2005. So when the, I went vegan. You, you moved to Portland and it's just like, all right, it's part of me now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what did it for you? Well, um, this is a little strange, but in uh, high school in Ashland, I had, uh, I ran a cafeteria. Um, I was in an alternative program and it was an old home ec room. This is the place where the lunch ladies are the cool people. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> right. I, uh, so I, I started a cafe and I wasn't vegan then. I wasn't even vegetarian. I, I just thought that vegan food um, would be cheaper and more sanitary and you couldn't really have any complaints about it and huh. so I um I called it the vegan cafe and then the school made me ch name it a club you know uh -huh. just bureaucratic reasons I guess so I ran the vegan club for three years in high school even though I wasn't myself vegan and I wish I could go back in time and and tell myself or I wish some, one of the other students would actually say hey if you think this is such a good idea why don't you go ahead and go vegan right you know but I just didn't uh, were there were there other like were there, were there any vegan kids uh, there there were a few who would come to the cafe and I only charged a dollar for a big plate of homemade food what? so it was very popular with man the is it still going same prices <laughs> yeah I wish we had to raise it to a buck 50 <sighs> on the final year you know <sighs> inflation but yeah. actually um when I started it, there just were not good vegan or even vegetarian options in the high school there. They had, you could get like pizza or a burger or like rice or something, you know, typical just like, school lunch crap. Right, right. Ugh. It wasn't, um, wasn't very fresh stuff. So, uh, the, my final year in the high school, they, they put a bunch of money in and opened up a new cafeteria with like a big permanent salad bar and stir fries and all this Whoa. stuff. And they, they called me in and consulted with me about it, which I was just kind of blown away. That's that so they, cool. You know, as if I would have any say what's going to happen after I graduate, you know? Yeah, yeah. but you've left your mark. Yeah, it yeah. was nice to know that it wasn't, the vegan club wasn't something that just, a resource that just disappeared, you know? They, yeah. they filled in that, that need. Yeah, so you've been vegan 11 years, mm -hmm. uh, and the entire time in Portland, um, what was the vegan scene like when you first started? What, how did you kind of navigate your way into, the, well, into that world? I've definitely, my, um, my philosophy around it has evolved a lot um, over time. I'm, I'm now, and, and we'll probably get into this more since I can report on going to the World Vegan Summit yes. recently, which is all um, based around abolitionist veganism, uh -huh. um, which is not something that I was familiar with years ago in Portland. I, I was, uh, fairly involved in the activist community, animal rights activism for a while. I was in a radical cheerleaders for animal rights squad who would like go to the zoo and, you know, do cheers about how you shouldn't go to the zoo. And, <laughs> you know, we just kind of, oh, uh, so did cool. a lot of activism, which now, um, now I believe that that kind of protesting um, is with the climate of what, you know, with, with, okay, sorry, losing my point here. Um, it's hard to <laughs> okay. sum up the entire like uh, meat culture in one sentence here, but um, I think that protesting and 
any kind of illegal actions, um, vandalism, all that kind of stuff, which I used to, you know, I didn't do any of, of that, but I thought, oh, well, you know, this is such a problem, what's going on with the world and animal exploitation, we need to, you know, do whatever we can, and if for some people it's extreme, you know, maybe that's what they need to do, and this, this line of thinking now doesn't make any sense to me at all. I, I really think that the answer to violence um, being normalized in our lives uh-huh. is is not more violence at all. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's not even um, negativity that's needed. It's really just plain old rational, like sharing information with people. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I feel like uh, growing up and uh, even like up until pretty recently, when I would think about activism and protests, I would think of it as being this like very radical thing. And like only crazy people do that. And man, those people who are, you know, protesting over there, it's like, what are they thinking? And then it's just like, oh, I get it now. In order for people to listen, sometimes you have to speak up a little bit louder and you have to get people's attention however it's going to happen. And you have to not care what the other people who aren't listening are going to think because they'll they'll hopefully catch on later or hopefully they'll just remember what you were doing five years from now and be like, oh yeah, like now I get what they were saying. So uh, yeah, I think that um, activism which can take many forms. I mean, even just being vegan, which is boycotting, you know, the egg, dairy, and meat industries, essentially. Right, removing uh, your own personal support of it. Yeah, you. everybody who makes those decisions is an activist in their own way. So it's just a matter of figuring out how far you take it personally. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's really cool. I, I think it's just important, you know, if you're going to protest or do activism to have a really clear message what you're about and... A big problem with a lot of the single-issue campaigns that we would, um, you know, we would, uh, Ringling Bros would come to town and we would go. I like how you call them bros. Yeah, like (laughs) those bros. (laughs) The Ringling Um, Bros. um, They would come to town and we would, you know, be yelling chants at people walking in to the place. And, and, you know, we weren't handing out information about veganism. We were just picking out one, one element, you know, one aspect that animals are used and also, it was a problem, I think, really focusing on abuse of animals, because that implies that there's some way that you can use animals as a resource sure. and not be abusing them. Yeah. You know, it, it makes so much sense to me that people, the general public, uh, which is non-vegan, of course, they're looking for ways to continue to use animals. And they're looking, I think, for the right way to do fundamentally what is a wrong thing. You know, yeah. so they, of course, they're going to love it when these, like this article that came out last week about, oh, well, vegan diets aren't really that great for the environment, you know, which is a totally poor reading of the study yeah. that was even done. But you see it just spread like wildfire um, online it, journalism. Just, you know, people want to say, oh, see, gotcha, vegans, right. that's not the way to be, you know. Yeah, that's, that's the problem with all you know those studies people can find whatever result they want to find from them and uh, send the message that they want to send and then everybody thinks that it's the gospel it's the only way that it is and i think that it's true evolution (laughs) when you get to the point when it's just like i don't have to believe everything i hear and i even though somebody's saying that doesn't mean 
it's true. Even if that article or that study, that scientific study says this, it's not necessarily the full truth. There's a lot more to what everybody's talking about that we're, we don't know, that we're not privy to, and we have to figure it out for ourselves. So if somebody wants to argue being vegan is not good for your health or the environment, they will find those articles. Oh, of course. And that, that's why I like to keep things really simple. Um, now, I do, um, for my activism nowadays, I do tabling. Cool. Uh, downtown, yeah. down on the waterfront uh, on uh, most weekends. And we, uh, when I started doing it, I was like baking these elaborate cupcakes at home and giving uh-huh. them away. But now I just like stop on by the Whole Foods and get a chocolate cake, you know, well. bring some napkins and uh, some information to pass out. Yeah. I use the, uh, have you heard of the International Vegan Association? Uh, no. The IVA is a great resource. Um, they are wonderful. They will actually pay to print these beautiful glossy pamphlets and ship them out to you. And um, where where are they based? They have bases all over the world. They okay. are truly international. They what they all they do really is promote abolitionist veganism, as developed by Professor Gary Francione, and they. Even though he's not tied to their organization, they just follow a philosophy that he, uh-huh. you know, developed. Um, and what they do is online reading groups. So you can join their reading group and have, you know, really, you know, in-depth discussions with people beyond, yeah. you know, what you would if you hadn't all read the same texts. And <laughs> um, yeah, and then they just print out these materials. And once you've you know, you have to do a little questionnaire to make sure you get the, the point of abolitionism. And if you've proven that, then they'll send them out to you. And so it's a, it's a wonderful group. Yeah. And, and you, you hand out their pamphlets mm-hmm. when you table. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. We just have a, a sign on the table that says free vegan treat with the vegan chat and uh, <laughs> please no donations. And people kind of scratch their head at that one sometimes, you know, or they always assume, you know, we're selling something or something's benefiting a group. Right. But I think, uh, in my view, um, that I've come to from being involved in a lot of these groups. I used to work with a lot of large animal uh, charity groups, and I think that a lot of them are actually hindering people going vegan because yeah. the way these groups are set up, they, they really do rely on a large donor base to keep to be able to keep the corporations of uh, corporate charity, excuse me, <laughs> afloat, and because of that, you're going to just end up watering down the message down the road at some point. Right. You see it time and time again with all these groups, and because of that, we don't want to be beholden to any group. I, it's just a, a friend of mine, uh, Brian, and I get together and and spread the word, and I, people are really appreciative to it to receive this message and. Yeah. We've only had uh, one person I can think of who became very upset, you know, at this notion of just talking about veganism. Telling them that what they're doing isn't the right thing. Well, (laughs) that's another thing that we need to get away from, I think, telling Mm -hmm. people what you're doing is not the right thing. It's more, we like to ask people questions. We have, uh, we'd say, you know, okay, we're we're just out here. We're not affiliated with the group. We're just, you know, longtime vegans. We're Mm -hmm. spreading the message about this. We're wondering if you'll answer this question this question and then you know you can that's like the price for the tree you know right and um the question is do you think it is wrong to inflict unnecessary suffering and death on animals right and most people 
agree with that statement that it is wrong. It's mm-hmm. just when you get into it, you need to figure out what you do deem necessary. What's necessary and unnecessary for me, I would say a flavor of a food is, is that's a frivolous thing. That's, it's not necessary sure. that you have, that you taste this certain flavor. And, and most of the flavors that we, you know, we didn't grow up vegan. I don't, I haven't even met hardly any, you know, vegan from birth people. Right. I love when I do. I'm meet starting them. to now, which is really cool. That is awesome. Yeah. And I, I, I love that. Um, but most of us grew up eating animal foods and mm-hmm. we have this whole sense of comfort tied to it. And, um, and a lot of those flavors really are um, plant-based spices and sauces, you know, barbecue, that barbecue sauce flavor, right. or the smoke, you know, the grilling flavor is, is what we like. It's not necessarily only the, the animal flesh natural flavor that that has, you know? Yeah. I mean, as far as like consistency goes, we've got that figured out. <laughs> we have Satan. We have all of these other things. Right. Uh, if you, if you want to have analogs of all these things, yeah, then you're... there's plenty of it. I mean, there are a lot of things that I like where I never cared for the non-vegan equivalent to it, but I just uh-huh. like this version of it. Um, you know, things like crab cake, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, oh, gross. I, I never, ever, ever liked that kind of thing. But if made right, man, that's a tasty vegan treat made yeah. with like chickpeas and it's amazing. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so for a lot of those people who say like, well, what's the point? Like if you're just eating something that tastes like it and it's just like, uh, actually, in my mind, it's some, just a completely new food and it may be called crab cake, but I know it's nothing to do. It's not the same thing at all. Yeah, and that's the only compelling reasons we ever had um, which I would deny that they're legitimate reasons yeah. now, but the only reasons we had to eat meat was the flavor of it, and and this goes for dairy products as well, the flavor and the convenience, you know, and some tradition, right. some pressure tradition. from Tradition. Tradition is a big one also, I mean, mostly just because of the industries, where it's like, my daddy was a dairy farmer, his daddy was a dairy farmer, you know, and it's just like goes on and on and on for generations, and it's like, well, how brave are you to... Break that tradition. Yeah, how, how many traditions of terrible things that were done to humans have we had to shed? Right. And looking back through time, we you know it's from our view, it's it's astonishing that say American slavery ever existed. I mean the the um, evidence and the um, leftover like institutional racism that's very pervasive and exists now shows you. So it's not like oh can't believe that happened, but mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's our duty to to make changes to society that are outdated, that are barbaric, mm-hmm. that we don't agree with. You know, there's there's a lot of just agreement by people that, you know, it's wrong to hurt animals. And if you look at, like, domesticated animals, most people are in agreement. You know, when somebody is found to be harming a pet... It, that's like the worst you can be. Yeah. But when you're going to only, if you're looking through that lens and getting so upset at someone who harms a, a domesticated animal and then is eating a chicken, you know, for their lunch later that day, it's, uh, it's um, I'll borrow a phrase from Francione here, but uh, just morally schizophrenic. Right. It, 
I actually yesterday was uh, at an event to benefit a a dog charity, it, and they do amazing work for for dogs. And I know that at their particular events, they serve vegan food. But this wasn't just their event, and there there was a barbecue thing. And it's like it feels so weird to be at an event to and there's all these people with dogs around but there they are eating burgers and stuff and it's just like are you even really thinking about what it is that you're doing here and how that thing that you're holding on onto on that leash in one hand and the thing you're holding onto in that bun in the other hand like they're not that different right right and so i think you know a lot of a lot of groups that mean well um that care about animals they don't think things through far enough. Mm-hmm. You know, they start out with a good intention and then you got to just carry it all the way through. And, and so, you know, I'm learning every day. I'm, I'm learning more about my, uh, how I feel toward animals and what, what they deserve and even the language around it, like um, speciesist language, you know, like I'm trying to train myself to say him or her for an animal and not it but it's so i mean it's just so entrenched and people like think that that's some very next level stuff you know like (laughs) um just to get back to these large groups i think it's what's one of the dangerous things about them is they paint veganism as this extreme thing right when really i mean you and i know like we've got great food we've i have a wonderful life yeah, it's not, it's not, I mean, I'm living in Portland, Oregon, which is, I'm going to say, easier than some, you know, remote village it's somewhere, true. but um, still, it's not, the hard part is just constantly being attacked for this by, sure. by the status quo, really, mm-hmm. and, um, and this has been a great comfort to me to discover abolitionism, because I had really a kind of a hopeless feeling back when I was trying out all these different kinds of activism and seeing what I could do, working on these single issue campaigns and, you know, yelling really loud at people <laughs> who weren't interested in hearing it, you know, at the, the um, primate lab or the zoo oh, or the yeah. circus or anywhere. And, and it, I used to see the enemy as um, not that I was a full-on angry vegan stereotype, but I was a lot closer to it than I am now. Mm-hmm. And um, I would just see the enemy as people who are using these animals, you know. And, and so the person who, the vivisector was so much worse than the non-vegan person. And th- there was this whole hierarchy, and you get so mired in all the details of, like, figuring out who's the worst and what are we going to focus <laughs> on and everything. And I really don't see people as the enemy anymore. I I like to give people credit um, that they are just, they've been raised by the society yeah. that is, and, and this is all cultures around the world, there's a pressure to maintain the status quo. And, uh, and it's not always easy to get out of that. And it's especially not easy if nobody is giving you any information about it. Right. You know, or if the only people you interact with that represent veganism to you are, um, you know, like the Animal Liberation Front or the, you know, sure. some very intense groups that are, you know, employ violence. Or at this point in my activism, I don't even share violent imagery. You know, I no. don't think it's even... I don't think it's even necessary. It's effective for some people, but probably not most. 
Right. I, yeah. I think it's it's just employing something you don't like to try to get rid of it when I think it's, you know, when I, when I talk to people um, during these tabling sessions, they get it, you mm-hmm. know, and they... They understand the concept. They're not, you know, a few people have said, oh my, oh my goodness, you're so right. I am going to go vegan. And those, that's an amazing moment for me when people say that. Oh, that's awesome. And I do get emails to follow up with people and see how it's going. I try to help as much as I can. Um, But people generally, and especially young people, especially children, they understand this concept of, oh, it's unnecessary to hurt them. We shouldn't hurt them. Oh yeah. Well, Children, and this is something that I've learned, I had mentioned that I have met some people who are vegan since birth, and those are kids, and talking to their parents, it's like, they, at first, don't think like, oh, that chicken that you're eating, that's a different kind of chicken from the chicken that runs around on the ground. It's just called the same thing, but it's a different thing. But once kids make the connection, they don't want any part of that. Yeah. Yeah. You see that all the time with, yeah. with uh, children. And I actually think that, you know, our capacity for violence toward other groups of humans and even mentally are separating people into groups and, and sort of dehumanizing groups. I think that the stage is set for that to happen at that moment when you, you're a kid Kids just really connect with animals. Mm-hmm. Most of them really just like feel this affinity. They consider them friends. And that moment that they learn what they're eating is their friend. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's just a, na- a natural goodwill that people have that's like just systematically brainwashed out of them. And I think that that is such a pivotal moment um, for humans, you know, when they're in that age of development and they they learn in a, on a most fundamental level, they learn that love equals harm. Mm-hmm. They learn that if you love an animal, you can also pay for them to have this terrible life. Or even if they have a, a you know, what you would consider a good life, they're still killed, you know? So their life is cut short. You know, this need that we sentient beings all have, this, this desire to, for continued existence, you know, that's a harm to, uh, to end that um, and frustrate that. For animals, so I think that that's a really pivotal moment when you suddenly, you know, you're devaluing animals. You're creating this hierarchy. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, it's a, you, you know, this is what love means. It's you can treat them this way, and I think it's no wonder that there's so much violence in the world, yeah. you know, of humans against other humans, because we are just really morally confused fundamentally from this this practice that perpetuates itself and and that's that's the enemy the status quo is the enemy people um people are not evil i just don't i don't think that people are you know in just in general inherently evil or that they're um unintelligent and they're not going to understand Mm -hmm. why we are vegan and it's been incredible meeting all these people when i do tabling and talking to people after shows and stuff and, you know, hearing them, when, when you offer that, uh, when you offer this information and you're kind and cordial and, you know, you're, you're coming from a place of relating to them, like, I didn't used to be vegan and then I learned this and now I think this. And, you know, they, they are understanding of it and they're not insulting. And really the way to spread veganism is just through um, just 
conversation, just cordial conversation. I really believe that we don't, there's no need to um, shock people or scare them or trick them, you know, like every, all these groups are calling things veg instead of vegan because they kind of want to downplay it a little bit, you Mm. know, they don't want to scare people away. And, uh, and that's what's scaring them away is painting veganism as this extreme thing. Right. So I'm trying to, uh, I I really do look forward to the day, um, because veganism is spreading, you know? Yeah. And I look forward to the day when this, you know, people's conception of what a vegan is, isn't tied to this like angry outsider, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of like punk rocker I know. you know like or super fringe type person fringe person yeah. no it's all it's, tattooed up it's all or or another criticism would be that it's just this like white upper class hipster thing that not everybody can do which um is just not true you know so the more uh diverse diversity we see in ages of sure. people i mean when people find out that a certain athlete is vegan i feel like that's what really makes people go like, huh, okay, all right. Because they can see it as not being like some hipster douchebag who just is unhealthy looking. You know, it's somebody who... Uh, be, for their career, they have to be strong and healthy. Yeah, uh, that is a great example. Yeah, Yeah, uh, I, I love it when that kind of stuff comes out. It's really cool. Yeah, just like any anybody who's like a public figure... Like, even though I know within the vegan community, it's a little questionable about, like, Bill Clinton's vegan uh, right. diet. Oh, that's the whole thing. The I whole know. vegan versus plant-based diet. I know, but... I, I really wish that celebrities who try this fad vegan diet, yes. that I really wish they would call it plant-based because it's, it's making it very confusing to right. the public, you know, when oh, yeah. Beyonce uh, does the 30-day vegan challenge and she is going into a a vegan restaurant in head to toe leather. It's just Oh yeah. You know, it's it's plant based is sure. what is what that rightly should be called. Yeah, and that's all diet. It's not lifestyle. It's mm-hmm. just purely food. And for a lot of people, hey look, if it's health that gets you to make any change at all, then that's great. I mean that's what it started out for me. It was a health thing. And the more you read about stuff like to find out information about one thing, you learn about other stuff. And then that, I think, after uh, a little while of just reading articles about even just like vegan restaurants, it's like, oh, yeah, animals. And then like you start thinking more and more and more. And then you see a lot more like things, the fog just kind of fades away. And it's like, oh, yeah, they're, those animals are being seriously mistreated. I am glad that I am already not eating animals. Right. Now I'm... Yeah, I can preach that message. And what's actually really cool about this particular podcast that we're doing is that I get a lot of uh, people telling me that they listen to it, who they're, they're not vegan, and they're just kind of curious about the lifestyle and uh, just hearing people talk about it in a way that's not aggressive and attacking and it's a more rational and compassionate vibe than it's easier for them to understand it oh it's easier for them to want to be part of that i can absolutely see why i mean i you know i i wouldn't want to learn about anybody's philosophy if they're in the process of attacking me or telling me i'm a bad person you know from simply going with the flow of mainstream society Mm -hmm. 
you know yeah, so for sure. i absolutely agree it's great to it's great to be able to talk about this stuff um, as vegans without getting really defensive. And, you know, I don't have every answer when I talk with people. I don't, uh, you know, particularly remember all the facts and figures about, you know, um, destruction to the environment from animal mm-hmm. agriculture. But it's it's okay to admit you don't know that. But, you know, right. I do know that the UN's uh, report, Livestock's Long Shadow, states that, you know, animal farming the world over creates more um, more environmental destruction than um, all of transportation combined. Yeah. You know, I, I believe that the facts are on our side here and that they are just being suppressed mm-hmm. um, because it's not, it's, it doesn't serve uh, the profits of the animal farming industry, mm-hmm. you know, to have these, uh, these figures be known. There's another one. Um, do you listen to Go Vegan Radio? Uh, I have listened to it, yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, and Bob Linden, who hosts that show, was the one who put on the World Vegan Summit. Oh, cool. Um, both this year and the previous year. And he's, um, he, you know, he. when I hear him say these facts enough, I start to absorb them with the numbers. But a uh, um, it was uh, found by a research group, a scientific research group in uh, Stockholm, I think, okay. uh, World Water Institute. I don't remember the exact name of it, but um, it was found that a vegan, for their diet, will use 10,000 gallon, 10, gallons of water annually, and that a non-vegan diet will use 320 gallons of water. Huh. So that's, it's just when you consider all of the crops that need to be grown, all the alfalfa and sure. corn and soy and everything that's then fed to um, livestock animals, and then we eat the animals. It's just such an inefficient system right. of growing food, you know. Um, you get less out of it than you put in uh, by the end. So it does, it just takes so much more water. And on the West Coast here, you know, we've got serious oh, drought bad. problems, yeah. California especially. It's, I mean, even in Oregon right now, it, it's barely rained in the past few months at all. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. water is something, um, you know, even if people aren't really concerned with animals, if they, if they believe that, you know, animals don't deserve not to be used as a commodity and that they're, you know, uh, here for us to use or something... Even they should be looking into veganism if they're interested in um, resources for humans. Mm-hmm. You know, the the water that's the very inefficient system of animal agriculture. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's gonna. I think the world's gonna go vegan. Now it's just whether we're gonna do it reluctantly, out of yeah. necessity, from resources being completely depleted, or if we're gonna go ahead and jump ahead of the curve, and. Um, and go vegan and, you know, make improvements to our own health as we're doing it. And right. you know, I, uh, I came to veganism for ethical reasons, uh-huh. you know, more than diet or environment, but, um, and you already had the experience from opening your own vegan cafe. Right. Even and before. I already, <laughs> yeah. I mean, my mom had just an amazing garden when I was a kid. So she, oh, that's great. she just grew a lot of vegetables and I, I, you know, luckily had a good relationship to vegetables, which is something that people of her generation, my parents' generation, you know, a lot of them, their association with vegetables is just like a creamed corn from a can Ugh, or something, ugly. you know, like overcooked. They're, you know, just not, not 
very fresh or delicious representations of these wonderful foods. Uh-huh. So um, I do love cooking and sharing food with people and putting the message out that way. Yeah, that's. I, I think that the very first time that I saw vegan food as not being like some weird thing is when I was invited to a vegan brunch potluck when I was, I used to live in Philadelphia in my early 20s and just going to one of those and being like, oh, you people are all really awesome and your food is the bomb. And I want to come here all the time now. That's really like what gets you to be like, okay, I can do this. Um, Actually, yesterday I just met a guy who came right out and said like, I'm a meat eater, but I've been to Blossoming Lotus. I really mm-hmm. like this, this, and that. And I've been to this place and our Sweet Pea Bakery. Like their stuff is amazing. I had a cinnamon roll there that blew my mind. And it's like, yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and a lot of a lot of um, traditional American snacks are vegan by default anyway. Sure. Peanut, if you've ever eaten a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? There you go. You know, <laughs> it's not a. You know, people are definitely reluctant and afraid um, to maybe go to an all vegan restaurant, you know, they're worried, oh, where's the, what's the main thing? You know, where's the, where's the meat going to be? But, um, but people already enjoy a variety of plant foods. Yeah. It's all changing. It's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about snacking. Uh, being on the road, touring musician, uh, what are some of your go-to's? Go-to's on the road. Um, avocado. That mm-hmm. is just Just straight up good. avocado? Well, I would eat it, it usually with like a baguette. Nice. Yeah, or um, rice crackers and avocados, really good. Um, now I'm thinking of the difference between U.S. touring and, and Europe yeah, touring. Yeah, tell me a little bit about the differences. Um, when I'm touring in the U.S., I do tend to... Um, not eat like big, large, full meals. I mean, you're you're traveling a lot. You're you've got a lot to do between like showing up at the club and playing and everything. Yeah. And you know, we have a writer. The bands I play in have a writer, so that means we send a list of requirements for the green room. And we always have like hummus. You gotta love hummus. I almost want to oh, make yeah. a T-shirt that says hummus for life because that's you know hummus is amazing. Just a little vegan uh, in joke there about how much hummus you're gonna end up eating. Um, Because it's a really, you know, filling, protein-heavy snack that doesn't require cooking. But, um, yeah, just a lot of, like, yummy stuff on bread, you know, hummus and avocado on bread. But when I'm in the U.S., I, uh, and if I do have time, I like to take myself out to vegan restaurants. Cool. So, you know, I I use that Happy Cow app. I plan it out. I mean, even to the point where I'll walk, uh, I'll walk a few miles you know, just to get to this place or I'll take public transportation, and uh-huh. break off from the group and go uh, sample all these great vegan restaurants. Yeah, I was uh, working for like a week in Chicago and I had like one day where I just had one thing to do and then I had the rest of the day and I figured out how to take the bus from where we were doing our thing to the Chicago diner and it was awesome because... I also love just like plopping myself down into cities and figuring it out. Yeah. And yeah, figuring out a different city's like mass transit system. And this would have been before um, there were as many options on smartphones. There were smartphones, but like Mm -hmm. 
I was I was able to maybe look up the schedule and how much it cost, but it wasn't like to the point where like you could buy the ticket on the phone and stuff yeah. like that. So that was always cool. It's a lot easier even now. It's crazy. Uh, oh yeah, just I take out. I take full advantage of it now of all yeah. the apps and everything, and just try to find the best vegan spots. Uh, do you have any favorites from around the country and the world? Um. I think one of the best ones that I always try to make it out to when I'm in Denver is the Watercourse. That oh. place is incredible. I hear that Denver's, I've never been, but I hear that it's like pretty legit in the vegan scene. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's, I, I actually can't, aside from like really small, like one gas station type towns uh-huh. in the Midwest, I can't think of any town that doesn't have at least decent restaurants with vegan options. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will always go for the vegan place first. If it's an extra mile walk, yeah. uh, you know, over the vegetarian place next door, I'll still go for that walk if I have time because I, I just really want to support people who are, you know, in a way taking a risk oh, yeah. um, by opening an all vegan place. Um, and those places should really be supported because, you know, they could, they could probably make more money if they added animal products to the menu. Yeah. But then, then you see... Um, a lot of business owners who are realizing the growth potential in this market, this plant-based market, um, and you know, even non-vegan owners are opening places that are all vegan because they they see they Dollar see some signs. customers, right? Uh, I mean, so, being on tour, where would you say was the biggest pleasant surprise? Like maybe small town where you would least expect for there to be something amazing. Like what's the First thing that comes to your mind when uh, you got to think of like your biggest surprise traveling uh, situation. Hmm, that's a tough one. I'm just seeing like hundreds of cities all pass through my eyes when I'm thinking about this. <laughs> um, I was I was pleasantly surprised in so many little towns in Europe, in in France and uh-huh. um, Germany. I had expected to be really good, you know. And you go into a little um, bodega over there, and there are like not just you know like uh regu- just like a american cheese equivalent like daya or something right. but they were like fancy like you know um really good ingredient based like, like fancy cheeses. cheeses and yeah all these cool. cashew cheeses and the the brie and all this stuff you know um so I, I I can't think of a particular town, and I'm also terrible at pronouncing French names, <laughs> but I was so pleasantly surprised by um, so many of these little villages and how willing the cooks were to work with what you wanted, you know, and you could explain. Right. And having the tour manager there who spoke some French certainly helped. But Now, is um, this the vegan tour manager that mm-hmm. you're talking about? Great. Yeah, that was, that was really wonderful to have another vegan on the road. Um, I was so forewarned about just how hard it was going to be to find anything that I was just like, my entire tour was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. You know? And That's I, a and good I've, point. You know, I've been vegan long enough now to where I, I've shed all those feelings of entitlement, you know? Like when I was first vegan and I'd go to a restaurant, oh, they don't have, you know, I felt like having a veggie burger and they don't have a vegan one, you know, mm, poor me. <laughs> like at this point now I am just like, I've got some snacks in the car or, yeah. you know, in the absolute worst case scenario, just get a nice beer for dinner and eat snacks <laughs> later. You know, I'm just like, I think that, um, 
going vegan and especially like over over many years of of um living vegan i think it's it's a good tempering of uh a feeling of entitlement or like a just a sure. whim catering kind of thing i think it's it's good it kind of conditions you to just be thankful for really basic things mm-hmm. you know i just need sustenance and yeah so I'm yeah over, i'm over the moon if there's bread and avocado you know i'm happy just the simple simple pleasures in life yeah i recently uh was traveling in europe and yeah when i found stuff in the little small towns when i'd see the like the word for vegan like on a chalkboard somewhere i'd get so excited yeah. and just be like and even if i wasn't necessarily hungry i'd still want to support them and oh, let yeah. them know like this is a product that is going to sell just keep on doing this keep on doing this and uh, a lot of the little shop owners are you know they they get it they understand like i don't know why i didn't have this before it's so simple it's anybody can eat this item i mean Maybe if you can't have gluten, some people can't have mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, it's really awesome. And I think it's really uh, great just to support the businesses that are willing to try. And yeah. Uh, yeah, just be there for those crazy, those crazy tattooed hippie vegans. <laughs> and they're only going to gain more, more customers, a larger customer base, because yeah. it's it's really exploding and we've got social media now everyone's posting pictures of their food and letting people know like you got to check this out and the word gets out there so much easier than it ever has before i think that probably has a lot to do with the rise in popularity in veganism is just how accessible it is to get the word out and um it's so hip right now to be posting like recipe videos and stuff yeah yeah the people are seeing like, oh, cool. You can do that with the the water from a can of chickpeas? Cool. Oh, I've heard about that. Aquafaba? Aquafaba, yeah. yeah I haven't tried it yet. Uh, I haven't like made anything with it myself, but I've had like meringues that are made with it, which mm-hmm. are pretty amazing. And It looks um, like magic to me. It is. What is it about these chickpeas that's making this water turn into magic? <laughs> I don't know. Science. It's science or wizardry. Either way, I'm cool with it. Um, So you actually did bring a little snack. Yeah, it's uh, it's lucky that we were recording uh, in the start of fall because I brought some homegrown Asian pears and tomatoes. Oh, cool. So we'll have to slice these up. Yeah, we'll we'll slice them up. While while we're slicing them up, do you want to talk about um, some of the... The bands that you're working with? Sure. Um, So in addition to Livewire, which I already mentioned, we just started our season. Yeah. How can people, because that, is that done as a podcast? Um, It's, it is not um, syndicated live. It is, uh, it's a live audience interview show um, that's recorded and then played, you know, a week later on various stations around the country. Sure. But it's available. But you can, can, yeah, it's all archived. You can hear it all on, um, I think it's just livewireradio.com. I might be wrong there, but if you just search livewire radio, um, and you're, and you do drums for that. I play drums on that. Yeah. This, I'm excited about this season. There's a lot of, uh, really exciting guests. Our first week, last week had one of my favorite comedians, Paul F. Tompkins. Oh, I was just... But while you were on your way over here, I was listening to his podcast, Spontanea Nation. Oh, see, I haven't. He has so many. It's, I haven't even heard that. I one yet. just started listening to it the other day. It's so good. It's just improv, but yeah, 
Oh, it's he's wonderful. incredible at that. So yeah. that was, I think, a good omen for the whole season, having him be the first guest. That's great. Yeah, I'm probably going to actually post this today. So uh, anything that you're talking about will be current. Oh, great. Um, great. Um, so um, I've got an all-girl five-piece band called Bitchin. Yeah. And it, we spell it with an apostrophe. So it's like B-I-T-C-H apostrophe N. And um, that band is a lot of fun. It just sounds like a lot of fun. And you have is like an EP that's available online? We do, yeah. Um, it's called Messed Out, and it's all over. It, it's like iTunes, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, all of the, all, you know, all those places you can get it. And uh, yeah, that one's a lot of fun. We uh, we don't really have a, a front person or a lead singer in that one. We all sing. You're just kind of all part so of it, all doing we're just it together. All, you know, we are literally... And there's five of you, we, you There's said? five of us, and we are literally bitching about stuff some of the time. <laughs> it's a little... Um, it's probably the most, like, edgy of the bands that I play in. Yeah, um, it's definitely pretty intense stuff, but, like, fun. Fun intense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's all about having fun. Yeah, and there's also a great music video out there that everyone should check out too yes trigger warning on that it has clowns in it i've had a <laughs> lot of friends who are unwilling unable to watch the video really? because we play clowns i i didn't realize that you know i always thought that this clown phobia was just sort of a a trendy thing to say that you're afraid of right. and it was just kind of played up but actually after making that clown video i've learned that it's is no joke for people some people it's a real thing i'm really afraid of yeah of clowns I, I don't know so my mom was like a birthday party clown and i think that that kind of just got me into the mindset of clowns are awesome they're great <laughs> yeah you can be a scary clown but that's not what clowns are all about. They're all just about making balloon animals and funny noises and party tricks. Yeah, it was a really fun exercise to create our clown personas. Oh. Um, my character, I had red hair and sort of this freckled look, which I didn't end up wearing cat ears, but um, but my inspiration for it was a, was a cat clown. Okay. So my name was Cinnamon Meow in it and it was just a, a ton of fun to develop these characters that's so cool did you have like somebody who has experience doing clown makeup working with you or is just no, doing it all yourself? we just um bitchin uh we are all from varying like various backgrounds uh and levels of experience so okay. we're, we kind of feel like we're making up how to be in a band anyway you know and what to do so we we just went for it we bought some uh some makeup and some co you know secondhand costumes ah, nice. and just went for it and played around and experimented and it just ended up being so fun uh -huh. just messing around and and even like when you're clowning just <laughs> the way you move your facial muscles is just feels so alien because you know generally unless you're doing some yoga or something uh, we don't generally exercise our facial muscles right. beyond like a couple expressions so it just felt like it just physically felt good to be making all these wacky faces oh that's so much fun uh and then okay so you said that you're in five bands currently yeah four um bands? there's another one called saroon that's uh, right you that's the one that you mentioned earlier you're, you're playing a show tonight mm -hmm. okay yeah and um and then there's point juncture washington yeah which um I've been around in Portland for many years. Um, I think we started in 2004, and we kind of go back and forth between being very active and and taking breaks and stuff. We 
we record our own albums and we really like to labor over them and like uh-huh. just take our time. Oh, really? So you just do it all yourselves? We do, yeah. That's and cool. sometimes we spend a few years, you know, and we'll record we'll record a bunch of songs and then just feel like, oh, it's not perfect. Let's spend all this time, you know. And it's just like, it's 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 fun for me to be in bands that are in a variety of, uh-huh. of different styles and uh, modes of operation. That's great if you can do it why not yeah i mean like bitchin we'll just make up a jam on stage you know <laughs> we'll just you know like oh let's just be free and jam so it's like instant <laughs> instant new content you know as opposed to point juncture's way of doing things but it's really fun to have the variety and uh yeah this portland's a great place to be able to yeah, how, how do you meet the people that you start these bands with? Uh, or are some of them already existing and they find out about you? Like, how does it it's usually happen? pretty incestuous, um, uh-huh. I would say. The scene, um, you get the same group of, like, 30 people each creating all these bands with each other. Okay. You know? it, it's, I mean, that... I, I love to meet new musicians and start new projects and, you know... Um, not just rely on the same friends uh but it's also you know it's just a good it's just one of my favorite social activities is band practice so you're gonna if you're not getting paid big bucks to do it you want the people there to be people you enjoy getting along with you know and of course enjoy their company Oh yeah. All so right. It can well, be a lot more about the process than just like the you know the ultimate product of what comes out of it oh for sure and how would are all of your bands, do you, ha- do you have like your own website where you maybe list everything that you're doing or is it just like a, you got to go that out and find it? That is a it? fantastic idea. And <laughs> I've been meaning to do that for a long time. I've got like my fingers in a lot of vegan pies at the moment. So I haven't uh, made one website that... Uh, well, are you on like social media anywhere? Oh my God. Um, I am just only on Facebook. Grab some of this pair. All right, so this is an, we've got two kinds of Asian pears oh. growing. This one's not as crisp as the other variety. I should know exactly what this is called, but I mm. don't. That is a delicious pear. Mm. I'm into it. A um, little bit mealy, I would say, but it's a little flavor. mealy. But I've had mealier, mm-hmm. and this is just the right amount of mealy. Mm. Um, so people, you said you have a Facebook. Mm-hmm. Cool. So is that a good way for people to find out what you've got going on with different... Yeah, I always post. Um, it's it's my uh, personal page. It's not mm-hmm. a band page. So, you you know, you, you'll get a lot of like vegan memes and uh, yeah. social justice article postings. And well, stuff. I think that this is the right crowd. Right. Um, if people do want to find me and friend me on there, it's A. Walker Spring. There you go. Um, well... We're gonna get going, and we're gonna eat some of these pears and uh, mm. all the all the yummy stuff from uh, from Amanda's garden. And I, yeah, I guess check follow her on become her friends on Facebook, and then you can find out everything that's going on. Uh, I'll try to I'll post some links to like Bandcamp pages and things like that, so people can find out what you're up to. Um, Great, and and everyone should check out uh, download some of the the live wire. Uh, the archive stuff. So, did you have you been doing it for a while, or is um, I just, you joined, just joined? Uh, okay. I just joined last season, so there is a whole. Oh, okay. Whole so season. last the last season of it, you're on, and now this new season. Yes. Cool. That's awesome. So, uh, thank you so much for for chatting with me for a bit, and 
Um, yeah, thank you for, for bringing this amazing snack. Well, thank Snacky, you for having veg, me. Fruits this and is, veggies. This is my yeah. favorite thing to talk oh, about um, is veganism. We didn't talk too much about the, the World Vegan Summit. Uh, was there anything that you you took in from that that you would want to let everybody know about that you maybe you didn't know about before? Yeah. Um, let's see. Well, uh, so the founder of abolitionism, Gary Francione, and mm-hmm. his uh, partner, Anna Charlton, they, uh, they're both law professors um, in New Jersey. I know you're from New Jersey. I am from New Jersey. Jersey. I heard that from one of your podcasts. All right. Um, and they teach at Rutgers out oh, there. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, Gary was the first academic to teach an animal rights law class oh, cool. in, the, in the U.S., so he's been at this for a long time. He's a great speaker. Um, his books are wonderful. Um, and so I really enjoyed all of his presentations. And also there was a, a doctor named Milton Mills who did a presentation about how we are, humans are actually herbivores. Uh-huh. And it's a very um, scientific, like well, you know, put together uh, YouTube talk that you can find if you just search uh, Dr. Milton Mills um, herbivore or something like that. So that was really fun because that just showed kind of the scientific uh, basis, you know, and the difference between obligate carnivores and, uh, you know, real omnivores, true omnivores and uh, herbivores. So that was very enlightening to me. I would recommend that. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. Well, everybody should check that out. if I can remember, I'll find the link for all that and I'll put it in the show description uh, along with the stuff for your band. So people would be like, wait, this is a music video of clowns and then this video is some guy <laughs> talking about how we're herbivores. Cool. Yeah, uh, and if I could add one more. So yeah. um, for, for Gary Francione's stuff, if you um, are interested in veganism and you're not already vegan, um, he has a great site called How Do I Go Vegan? Dot com and if you already are vegan and you're curious about this abolitionism approach um, it's uh, abolitionistapproach.com cool and actually uh, along those same, very similar lines uh, my next guest on the podcast uh, which will hopefully be in about a week or two is going to be Rachel Cohn she just co-wrote a book called The Book of Veganish and it is a kind of uh, guide for teens about, you know, if you're thinking of doing this vegan thing, how to do it. And it's not just like a eating thing. It's like mm-hmm. a social thing, too. Oh, that's so, wonderful. Yeah, this book just came out. And uh, yeah, Rachel Cohn, she's a young adult uh, author. She wrote the book, um, or she co-wrote Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. And she's written like a ton of really cool young adult stuff that we wouldn't have heard of because it, we're not young adults. Right. We got to uh, count on these. Heart. We have to count on these young people. Yeah. To so save, save the planet. And yeah. And, um, I remember when she started writing it, we were talking and she was asking me some questions and I, like, I'm so happy that it's actually out right now. It's so cool. So that'll be on the next episode. Uh, and yeah, Amanda, thank you so much for coming. Thank we're going to eat so some much. snacks and thanks everyone for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.